KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Don't forget to wear green today. UCSD nurses say they have too many patients and not enough resources. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Governor Gavin Newsom will be in San Diego on Sunday to discuss mental health care. It's the last stop in his State of the State tour. His first stop was in Sacramento yesterday, where he announced funding to build 1,200 tiny homes across the state for people struggling with homelessness. The SDSU men's basketball team is advancing to the second round of the NCAA tournament. The Aztecs beat the College of Charleston yesterday 63-57. The Aztecs will play against Furman University tomorrow in Orlando. A second win would send SDSU to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2014. The Aztec women's basketball team made it to the first round of the NIT tournament. It's the first time in 10 years. Head coach Stacy Terry Hudson is encouraging people to attend the game. If you've been to a men's game, you will see when it's rocking in here, when it's packed, it's a huge home court advantage. And our young ladies have worked equally as hard as our men's program to get to where they are. So it would be such a huge advantage if we could get a couple thousand in here yelling and screaming for our girls. They'll play UC Irvine at 6 p.m. today at Viejas Stadium. Students can attend for free. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Nurses at UCSD Health say they need help. They say they have too many patients and not enough resources in the ER. Health reporter Matt Hoffman has a story. ER nurses and their union at UCSD Health's La Jolla Hospital are calling out what they say are unsafe and overcrowding conditions. Estefania Urbano is an emergency room nurse who says she worries about treating patients in hallways, especially those that might be immunocompromised. This is not the care we want for our patients or for our own families. UCSD health officials say they have been very busy, seeing historically high amounts of patients. A statement from the hospital says the unprecedented demand is outpacing available beds, especially in the emergency room. They say they're taking every measure possible to care for patients. That means sometimes using overflow areas or even diverting ambulances because of demand. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. More sinkholes are appearing across the county. Reporter Claire Strong says that yesterday, two sinkholes were causing issues. 
Another day, another sinkhole. A big one on State Route 78 in Oceanside has closed off the westbound lanes from College Boulevard to El Camino Real. But it gets worse for people living at Green Valley Mobile Home Park in Vista. My kitty is the one that I'm more concerned about because he's mostly an indoor cat. Uh, my neighbor's uh, thankfully uh, looking after him and has got him in a separate room. So I'm grateful. You know, it could have been worse. Nobody's hurt. That's resident Rich Cruz. He's figuring out where to stay after he and 16 other neighbors had to evacuate because of a nearby sinkhole and flooding. Caltran expects the affected lanes on the 78 to be shut through Saturday, but there's no end date in sight for the displaced residents at Green Valley Mobile Home Park. Claire Strong, KPBS News. Endangered Pacific humpback whales got a legal victory this week. Environment reporter Eric Anderson says advocates are pressing for changes to commercial fishing practices. A federal court in California says government officials are not doing enough to protect the large mammals from fishing lines. Commercial fishing operations trying to catch bottom-dwelling fish use long ropes to connect the fishing pots on the ocean floor to buoys on the surface. Humpbacks can get tangled in the ropes that connect the two, and it happens as often as 25 times a year. Not only is it a horribly painful, traumatic, and often deadly experience for these individual animals, but it is preventing their recovery. The Center for Biological Diversity sued the federal government because the nation's fisheries managers didn't have a plan to reduce the risk of entanglements, and they said federal officials did not consider developing a plan an urgent matter. The court agreed. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Federal officials declined a comment on the ruling, saying they don't discuss litigation. Marines and service members from several other countries were at Camp Pendleton last week for the Marine Corps trials. The event was hosted by the Marine Corps Wounded Warrior Regiment. Military reporter Andrew Dyer has more. The clanging of metal on metal from wheelchairs colliding reverberates through the Page Field House on Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. Active duty Marines and veterans are playing wheelchair rugby. It's one of several adaptive sports included in the Marine Corps trials, which were held at the base last week. It's still a pretty rough sport even in the wheelchair. The wheelchairs are built to take the, uh, the beating, but wheelchair rugby is a contact sport. Master Sergeant Dorian Gardner wheels his chair up and down the basketball court, which serves as the field for the game. The tall, athletic Marine works in public affairs at Camp Pendleton, but today, Gardner plays defense, maneuvering his chair to cut off attacking players, sometimes violently. So the chairs are designed specifically to take impact. They're heavier chairs built to uh, endure the kind of contact that they're going to get during the game. but. Um, there's defensive chairs, there's offensive chairs. Like all the athletes competing at the trials, Gardner lives with a disability. In 2010, on patrol in Dilaram, Afghanistan, the Marine beside Gardner triggered an IED. Gardner took much of the blast and was medevaced out. He lost his left eye, leaving him legally blind. Gardner says many people at the time encouraged him to leave the Marines and take a medical retirement, but he wasn't ready to give up on his Marine Corps goals. I mean, the Marine Corps is, day in and day out, it's a a tough go, but doing it with limited vision and having to be very reliant on others for aid day to day, 
made things a bit tougher. But I was determined to prove to myself and to everybody who doubted me that I could still do this job, that I could still be a Marine. Gardner began competing in adaptive sports in 2017. He says returning to competition taught him a lot about himself. I used to be a basketball player and I gave that up. You know, there's not much room for basketball when you can, when your depth perception's gone and the visual, the vision loss made that really hard to just play. So when I came to the trials in 2017, I was introduced to adaptive sports and I was exposed to discus and shot put and swimming and things I'd never competed in before, but things I excelled at. I discovered that there are still so many things I can do after thinking to myself, life is over. Adaptive sports really opened my eyes and showed me there are so many things I can still do regardless of my injury. The trials are not just about friendly competition. The competitors are vying for spots in the Warrior Games. That's where members of all the service branches compete against each other. From there, a select number will go on to the Invictus Games, which is a global adaptive sports competition with the best athletes from militaries around the world. Daniel Norman plays adaptive rugby as an attacker. He's a Marine veteran who competed in the Invictus Games before and is trying to get back again this year. I do powerlifting, that's the one I'm really good at, uh, rowing and track, and track, so I'm a sprinter too. Norman was injured during a training exercise with the Scout Sniper Platoon in Japan. He says his favorite team sport is wheelchair rugby, and while he's friends with everyone off the court, things get serious once the whistle blows. Uh, no, we're competitive, we're Marines, we're competitive by nature, we want to win. So as These are all Marines, they're all my friends, I love them to death, but when they're on an opposite team, we go ham, we go hard. Gardner is nearing his military retirement, but says his athletic goals don't end with Invictus. My 20-year mark is going to be hitting this October, so going to be packing it up and retiring after 20 years. But um, that's when the training is going to start. I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to get to Paris for the 2024 Paralympics and compete as a shot put thrower, hopefully discus as well, and uh, try my hand at parasurfing. That's the goal. Gardner won gold in shot put and archery, and Norman took the gold in the 100 meters, powerlifting, wheelchair basketball, and wheelchair rugby. The Warrior Games are scheduled to be held at Naval Air Station North Island in June. Andrew Dyer, KPBS News. Coming up, we have details on some of the films playing in the final weekend of the Latino Film Fest. We'll have that story next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. The 30th Annual San Diego Latino Film Festival will close this Sunday, but there are still plenty of films to see. Film critic Beth Hakamando highlights some of the more artistically daring films to watch. Film festivals are an invitation to adventure and to step outside of your comfort zone to see films you might not find anywhere else. 
One of the things I love about the San Diego Latino Film Festival is that in addition to screening crowd pleasers, it also dedicates a space for films that push the creative envelope. That showcase is called Un Mundo Extraño, which literally translates as a strange world. Exhibitions director Moises Esparza points to the most experimental film. Antes que lleguen los sopilotes, it's a black and white feature directed by Jonas N. Diaz. It blends themes of magical realism with melodrama, but it does play a bit of like an epic. And it's about two women who are trying to exit their own domestic spheres and kind of chart their own path. Esparza is excited to show films that are made after the height of the pandemic that are fueled by ambitious themes. Filmmakers are no longer stuck in their homes, but the lockdown experience has colored their movies, says Esparza. Common theme that I saw this year is like this play on domesticity, because we were all like locked away in our house. We were all like thinking about house roles, the domestic sphere. So a lot of films this year, I think, are playing with like what that means post-COVID, which I think is a pretty fascinating thing to like contemplate. That theme of domesticity reimagined comes up in Wasera, the bone woman. Valeria is a young pregnant woman who has a loving husband and a good life. But director Michelle Garza Cervera says that's just how it appears on the surface. We built a character that had everything apparently perfect to build a great domestic life. We also didn't want it to be focused on the process of what happens through a, through a female body literally throughout pregnancy. It was more about like the symbolic thing of like so something that is breaking you down and it's literally like it's making you feel like your bones are fracturing. <laughs> we really want it to be about like portraying what feels inside to go through a sacrifice process that can be domesticity or building a family. For actress Natalia Solion, the horror comes from the conflict Valeria feels trying to reconcile what society wants her to be with what she imagines herself to be. The horror for me, it was this specific feeling of guilt that in the Latin culture, we are always feeling a lot. We have this education to not speak. We are not able to affront the, the things that are not good for the society. Cervera grew up with an image of the rebellious women in her family as somehow evil because they did not conform to the traditional role of submissive housewife. I had a fear while growing up as a little girl to be one of those because they, they would make fun of them or they would, they would just be in these kind of boxes about like, like cancel boxes, I guess. But then Severa discovered punk and began to question everything. Now she uses her art and specifically the horror genre to challenge stereotypes and question cultural expectations in a symbolic way. So I, I really want to be rooted in the reality but then I feel like horror allows me to, through one image, through one sound, to say something very complex that maybe takes you 10 pages of an essay. And I feel like horror is really so generous. Like in one sound, you're like, that's how it feels. Like that's how it feels when your family is like asking you something very uncomfortable or, or you know, like social expectations are horrible. And I'd like, how do you express such a complex thing? And, and I feel like horror really allows you to do it in like very fun ways. The film taps into a legend about an old woman digging out bones in a desert and very slowly constructing a skeleton. And then when she has it ready, she creates a ritual with fire that gives life to this entity and sets it free. Like the legend is really far away from what the film is, 
But what I really wanted to keep is the heart of it of like speaking about like going through a difficult process of finding pieces deep down of yourself that sometimes we don't want to look at. And I feel like once we do it, it's going to be painful, but then you're going to be free in many other ways. So I thought it was great legend to kind of build from. Was Sarah the Bone Woman screens on the closing day of the festival. And Cervera and three of the actresses will be on hand to introduce the film and take questions from the audience. As Esparza notes, I like to program a lot of amazing films on the last day. You know, I want to leave people feeling like they left the festival watching some amazing content. So don't turn down the San Diego Latino Film Festival's daring invitation to explore some amazing content. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. The San Diego Latino Film Festival continues through Sunday at AMC Mission Valley and Digital Gym Cinema. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emmalyn Mohebi. We'd like to thank KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman for helping out the podcast team this week. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.